So I'm going to do the intro, and then we'll just talk. We have, well, how much time do we have? We have like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 20 minutes. We're good. Okay. We're solid. All right. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and today we're on the road. We're, on the road. We're literally on the road. It is a Collector's Corner episode from the Skyline Diner in the Strong Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. I am here with Brad Mariska and Jeremy Gloff, and we have had quite an adventure, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a bunch of We are drinking milkshakes. We are exhausted. We have been to where have we been to? We've been to Philadelphia. It started in New I started in Newark. You yeah. started well, Brad started in New York. Yep. Then to New he got me in Newark. He got Bill over there in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Then we went to the secret location of Bear Country Studios. Yes, yeah, so our first stop was the official Bear Country Studio, the abode of Mr. Mike Berenstain himself. Now, Brad, how did we end up getting there? Like, how did this all come about? Well, this started a long time ago. Um, Jeremy and I have been talking about this for years, about how we wanted to someday make a pilgrimage to the studio and meet Mike and see where the magic happens, so to speak, to, to see the creation process, as well as to dig through the archives a little and have a chance to sit down and talk to Mike about um, this franchise that is just so prolific and um, so fantastic. I never, I never actually imagined that it would actually happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those things you talk about, like, yeah. but what are the chances? Like, what are the odds? Well, and so we just finally, I just sent an email to um, his assistant and said, "Hey, what are the odds that we could?" come out and visit sometime this summer you know would would Mike be willing to sit down with us for a few hours and and talk to us and, and show us around and wrote back almost immediately saying we'd love to have you which is cool because like we're just a bunch of strangers and they're kind of inviting us into their private sanctum room. yeah and I, I do appreciate that I think it's cool and we've, and we've you know we've had a obviously I've interviewed Mike you guys have been in contact with him before like so this isn't it's not like we're springing this on him but this is this is actually his home. Like it, like he works out of his house. He has his office there, and uh, you know we we are not allowed to give any hints as to where it's located because he doesn't want to be inundated with the paparazzi. I assume. Yeah. All of all of Berenstain. Uh, Berenstain. What are the Berenstain fans called? Well, uh, Brad and Jeremy. Brad and Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to to Christine Amanda. Yep. Now we actually did sit down with uh, with Mike and we got the full tour. We got a lot of conversation, and so I'll be putting that into a later episode. But let's just give our just general reflections on what that whole afternoon was like, because it was above and beyond what I thought it was going to be. Oh, it was it was just very surreal to to be there in the place, and I think we can all agree that Mike and his staff were incredibly gracious just really amazing hosts and um, answered all of our questions and were willing to spend as much time with us as as we wanted or needed and um, that was that was really impressive the thing that I liked is that I feel like there was a trust established in the beginning like I said to Mike I anything you want off the record tell us to turn off the recorder so we established boundaries and stuff but he let us look through the archives Really, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And I appreciate that because never know people. You know what I mean? And he trusted us, and I really, 
appreciate that a lot. Well, what I really what I really got out of it was that, you know, we show up and we are enthusiastic and excited and a little like personally greedy about wanting to see all this stuff. And what I wasn't expecting was the fact that he and his assistant and his staff were really excited to show us all this stuff right. and to talk about it and that it was a, a completely balanced give and take of enthusiasm and and the desire to he asked he wanted to know about us yeah. like it was a, an honest to goodness conversation one thing that sucked though is the day after like now that today i'm like oh i should have asked this i should have asked there's so many more things i want to know now mm-hmm. if anything this whole trip made me enjoy my collection in the whole franchise even more i'd say yeah i would say that it it gave me a deep a, a deeper appreciation for the sheer amount of work that goes into producing the books into the the ins and outs of the history. Uh, I was saying that one thing that I picked up was that just keeping the Berenstain Bears line alive over the decades has been a constant stru- a battle. Like, a figuring out where you fit in the marketplace, who needs what, who's willing to sell what. Trying different formats. Some work, some don't. Definitely some don't. We yeah. learned that. that was, yeah. yeah, finding out that there was stuff, stuff that we love that was just a flop. Stuff that we didn't like. think that no one seems to like know about but that did really well like and mike really was kind enough to tell us about the industry a little bit so we got to see and hear the mechanics of how the business works yeah you know i mean we didn't get the biggest trade secrets in the world which i would not want right yeah. <laughs> but i think that was the thing that surprised me or interested me the most that um was a little bit unexpected i Obviously, was excited to, to be able to see original sketches and artwork and right. drafts and rejected manuscripts. Oh, God, but, yeah. Um, I, I learned so much about how the publishing industry affects how the series is produced, not just now, but in the past, and most importantly, how significantly it's changed right. over the past few decades. Um, and probably in the last 15 years, especially yep. with the rise of the internet and yeah. Um, Amazon. Yeah. So And the change in cost of materials, like yep. how that affects what you can print. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, like when Brad and I started guessing on your podcast, I feel like we kind of had a lot of smug ideas of this should be done and that and this. That. And a lot of things that, looking back on what I said back then, it all, make, all of it makes sense to me now. Like 100, 100% of anything I might have had qualms about or whatever. Yeah. I... Everything's 100% clear of why things are the way they are. I, I really think Mike is doing the best possible job that anyone could do. Yeah, yeah, he's he's up a, like not to be a, like a, a fanboy, but like yeah, he's up against like a market a that a machine that doesn't really care about children's books. Uh, in a in a in a market that is fickle and changing all the time. Uh, one of the big things that he pointed out was the fact that like he's got to go up against like just Disney tie-in novels. Like in right. movie tie-ins, because he's like, when you're in the store, store your kid's gonna want to grab the latest Transformers book instead of just like the Berenstain Bears go to school, and like you've got it, so you've got to keep stay going relevant, with it. yeah, without compromising what the Berenstain Bears are about, right? Right, exactly, yeah. But yeah, so you like you said, he let us just dig through the archives. Yeah, he's like, open any drawer, open any box, right? Like, tell, like, ask any question that you want to, and and I'll try to answer it, and I think. That is also, like you were saying, Jeremy, like putting a lot of trust in us, but also that he was able to answer almost all of our questions because um, he's been so close to it his whole life. When he was growing up, his parents were doing it. And um, 
even when he wasn't directly involved in the franchise, when he was a young adult, when he was publishing his own books, he still was close, and he was he was working for the same publisher, and um, he knows oh so many stories, invaluable information about the history of of Stan and Jan and, and, and how they produce the series and and um, is filling in a lot of gaps for us that don't exist elsewhere. Yeah. And what I one of the, my favorite parts was he was showing us through uh, the archives and he pulled out a, a, a envelope that had the original drafts for the spooky old tree and this is stuff that he hasn't gone through. Like yeah. it's just it's been organized to an extent but so he's pulling out like he's like oh and here's like their original like the way they separate the colors and here's how they like separate the pen yeah. art but then he gets deeper into it and he's like huh looks like at one point it was a spooky old cave yeah and there's a shot of the bears discovering the spooky old tree but there's a cave full of bats instead yeah. of a tree and he goes i've never seen this before right he's yeah. like i've never actually seen this before huh look at this it was a cave Huh. And so it was so cool, cool to like be there with him while he's discovering parts of the history of the bears that he never knew about. Yeah. Because he wasn't privy to all of that. And I don't know. It's just, I want to spend a day per drawer. Yeah. Sure. Just pouring through those papers. Yeah. And the same thing like how a brown bear became a blue baboon in the bee book. Yeah. Uh, which... Because they were trying to they were trying out different kinds of animals to appeal to Dr. Seuss. Right. Yeah. Oh, and we learned a lot about Dr. Seuss. We won't go into all the stuff about Dr. Seuss, no. but the uh, the correspondence between his fa- his parents and Dr. Seuss is like a book thick. Right. Like yeah. You can just publish that. There was an unpublished book. Uh, what was it called about the snow? Uh, really Big Snow. Really Big Snow. It's beautiful. Yeah, like, it was ready to go. Um, it was going to be a Cub Club book. I feel like... like there, maybe there was oversaturation in the early 2000s of the Bears. I feel like Mike is up the quality. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, some of the newer books are on par with some of my favorites from the vintage year. So. Well, and he gave us a sneak peek into um, some of the books that are coming down the pike. Yeah, and they're great. Um, and, and he was willing to show us, like, the synopsis and the storyboard and the um, the covers of some of these books that um, are going to be coming out here in the next they're year great. or so. And, and he was like, go ahead and read them and take pictures of them. Right. And um, they're not only look cool they're interesting and um it was fun to be able to um have have him trust us to like to share that information with us yeah and he was honest about like the fact that he doesn't always agree with the direction that his publishers wanted to go yeah i thought that was because he could soft pedal it he could be like oh no no no, everything's you know it's a it's a really mutual but he was like no like this is a he has to compromise and he has to try stuff that he's not comfortable with and sometimes he's surprised at the stuff that sells, and he's like, "All right, I guess I'll do this." Because it. My, one of my favorite parts is he showed us two different versions of the cover to yeah. an upcoming book. One that was dark and scarier, and one that was light and fluffy. Because he was like, "I like the dark one. I think it's more interesting." But I know the publishers will probably want this one. And so, I think that's great because it's really balancing art and business. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's good at that. And one one thing that really yeah. surprised me that I didn't fine line. They do everything on paper, like they don't. He's not drawing on computer, and neither is anyone else in, in this yep. studio. Like, it's all pencil, paper, pen, ink. Yep. And, uh, you know, they said that they could go into and do it on computer, but it's just not the way that the, the, the company works. There was definitely a feeling of tradition in yeah. that office. There was yep. a warm feeling. Yeah, the, the artifacts from his family's lives are everywhere. The paintings yeah. are everywhere. Yep. And he has, he saved, they've saved everything. 
like the schoolwork that his parents did when they were learning to become artists. Right. Just so we saw this amazing, amazing <laughs> opportunity. Just brilliant. We left feeling uplifted. Right. We had some fun adventures getting a hotel. <laughs> we stopped in Syracuse and met my friend Leah. Yep, we had some good food and uh, a long drive. And then, after this brilliant day, I was just like, there's no way today, the next day, could even begin to like match it in excitement. So we did, but we were coming to where are where do we how did you arrange this? This is the Strong Museum. Yeah, this is uh, the uh, the Strong National Museum of Play here in Rochester, uh, New York, and they they have actually um, three important um, tie-ins to the Berenstein Bears. They first of all have a large Berenstein Bears um, play area or display um, in the museum itself. They also have a large collection of Berenstein Bears toys, coloring books, activities, a lot of the memorabilia, um, figurines, things of that nature that are um, stored away in the archives. And then they also have uh, Stan and Jan personal papers um, that are archivally preserved in their research area that you can look at. So it has some early manuscripts and um, drafts and proofs of, of work. Uh, really fascinating inf in, in, information that I had never had a chance to look at uh, that we came to try and discover today. And back in like 2010 when they first put up pictures of their artifacts online it made us aware of a lot of things that we didn't even know existed which yeah. we've acquired since then. Yes. But yeah. thanks to this museum we were able to closer complete our collections. Yeah. But you had been talking back and forth with them about donating something to their archives. Yes, um, so about six months ago we finally um, acquired the Holy Grail of Berenstain Bears uh, books, the Berenstain Bears Act, or Fun Book uh, by Golden, 1994. This is a book that we didn't even know about for the longest time and when we did discover that it existed or maybe existed, had could not find a copy anywhere years upon years upon years didn't even know what what the cover looked like we found other what there's like a bugs bunny one in the series that was easy to find in pinocchio mm -hmm. yep um we so we suspected that it did exist couldn't find it couldn't find it wrote back and forth to um the berenstains and they they claimed it either didn't exist or they didn't know about it um and then one day we got an email from them saying that they had been working in the archives like down there in the basement and had come across three copies of the fun book and they wanted to um, give one to both Jeremy and myself and then um, I suggested that we take the third copy and donate it here to the Museum of Play so it will be preserved um, for perpetuity and um, be accessible to anybody who ever wants to look at it and hopefully they will scan it and put it on their website along with the other items in the collection which have right. been so, so kind of legitimate, legitimate what's the word legitimize yeah, the yeah, release yeah so that's what we're about to do right after this podcast is finished yeah in we're five gonna minutes we're going to officially upstairs. present that book to to the uh the strong we get our picture taken yeah <laughs> and so like when i knew we were coming we we're gonna look at the archives i didn't think it would be as fascinating as it ended up being. Never was so friendly. The staff here this was is wonderful. First, everyone here was just so welcoming to us. As, like we're, we're officially guests of the museum. Yeah, and you can tell that they are fans of what they do. Yes. And uh, they let us just, they, they, they brought out for us the entire collection, all the boxes, 
filled with storyboards from the animated specials, cells. Ideas uh, that didn't happen. And ideas that didn't take off. Like a dystopian uh, film uh, that was called The Game? Wasn't no, the, the ride. The ride. Uh, Stan, at some point in his career, uh, wrote a summary of a film that he wanted to create a very 1984-esque dystopian um, vision of the of the future. Logan's uh, Run-esque <laughs> Brave yes, New World. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like Stan. Because it wasn't just Berenstain Bear stuff in the archive. It's just the Berenstain's right, papers. Right. Right. So, like, what was really cool, especially about some of the the things that we found today, um, in addition to production art and, and things of that nature and storyboards for the, uh, the, the television specials. Yeah. But um, what I found really fascinating were some of these story ideas and film ideas and plays that Stan wanted to write or considered writing or, or tried to do in his career that um, never came to fruition. Um, some really cool stuff. Yeah, an aborted novel yeah. that never took off, a stage play. Like I said, the science What about their movie? pitch book that they made for the... Did we already talk about that? We oh, have no. not talked about the no. pitch book. But what I wanted to add to this, though, was that uh, it's really interesting to see, like, the mind of a creator and how he would just... You could sort of tell, like, it's like, ooh, I've got this great idea. Yeah. Work on it for a week or so, and then you're like... Or yeah. however long he worked on it, and then just be like, you know what? This isn't going anywhere, and just work on something else. Like this wasn't these wasn't just these weren't just people who were just creating the Berenstain Bears. Like they were working on other things. But right. yeah, so there was this pitch book that they put together early in their career to pitch a Berenstain Bears TV show. This is we saw it before the specials came out. Yep. yep. That was gonna what was it gonna be called? The Barn Show or something? Or Barn Theater? Barn Theater. The Berenstain Bears Barn Theater. And it looked like they were pitching it as like an educational, yeah. cultural, like Mix. Yeah, of like entertainment and education, and like basically like an animated version of like the Almanac or yeah. or the sci- science book, and uh, it obviously never happened. But the pitch book itself is so darling. Fun. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was uh, handmade. Yeah, it was very, very personal, and um, I think it just says a lot about like how Stan and Jan ran their enterprise. It was all about like building relationships and it was about knowing your audience and about also knowing what their, what the Berenstain Bears stood for and what they wanted it to represent as they explored other types of media. And um, even though that show didn't come to fruition, um, it probably laid the basis for some of the holiday specials, and then eventually there was the Saturday morning cartoon that was more of a traditional cartoon. But um, absolute, that was one of the most pleasant surprises oh, uh, yeah. that we found today. Yeah, the whole this whole trip has been above and beyond what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be interesting. I didn't think it was going to be this. Like magical, yeah. It's, it's like, like Bernstein magic. I feel like a kid going to Disney World for yeah. the first time, just but like, better, <laughs> but better, yeah. Because yeah. not as expensive. There's no lines. Because yeah. <laughs> we got special passes to the museum. We yeah. do. I've got this lanyard, which, yeah. we, which we have to turn back in, though. We have to turn well, back in. I suppose. But uh, we're gonna have to go upstairs now and uh, hand in the fun book. Yeah. Get our picture taken and uh, get the heck out of Rochester. <laughs> And catch some planes back to our back to our yeah. various various lands yeah. wherever we're going. 
So um, and I do want to give one shout out to the the rapper Milk Chocolate who, oh. who did give us CDs when we we're in Syracuse. We're in Syracuse, Syracuse rapper Milk Chocolate gave us some wonderful mixed CDs uh, for a small donation. For a small donation, thank you, Brad. Forty tracks. That's a good album. It was good. Forty tracks on one CD. It was really great. Uh, so we're. Uh, I'll be going through the footage that we recorded and uh, putting together some of the interviews we conducted and putting together some bigger uh, episodes about this trip just because Mike talked to us for so long. Hours. Hours. Literally. Yeah. And, and I do hope we can come back again someday. I would love to come back up this way. Because we've already gone through the art. Like, even if we can meet for dinner, I have so many more questions to yeah. ask. But, uh, no, man, we got a good, it was good waffles in Syracuse. Really good waffles. Not, good waffles. not the chicken fingers, though. <laughs> the waffles. Yeah. And the, the waffles next time. But, uh, careful if you need to get a uh, rollaway bed for your hotel, order it well in advance. Yeah, and maybe don't go to the Radisson. Yeah. One star Yelp reviews. One star Yelp reviews. <laughs> All right. And so thank you, everyone. I'll be putting that stuff together. Thank you, Brad and Jeremy. Thank you, Phil. Thank you'll be, you. Yeah, you'll hear more of these guys in the future. And we will see everyone else next time. Deep, Deep in, in Bear Country. Country.